Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. It is getting warmer outside. Spring is right around the corner, and we are officially one week away from the start of 2023 spring training. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jans coming at you live from our Mass and Web studio on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. Hopefully, you're tuning in or you're listening after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully, you're subscribed to the Mass and All Access podcast as we ramp up the start of a new baseball season. Amy, how was your weekend? How are you getting ready for the season? Oh, it's it, My week was good. Today I woke up, I was like, it's impossible to be in a bad mood on a day like this. It is it nice out. It feels like baseball mm-hmm. outside. Like 60, what, 65 degrees? Or, 60, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. We're both wearing gray, but don't let that doom yeah, no. uh, make, make it feel like a Bobby somber Bobby has event. his yeah. cherry blossom. The cherry blossom so. and polo for the Nationals. So it's got like the pink... Cherry Blossom, yeah. so it's got some color, and spring, spring is, is nearby, so uh, we're excited. Um, with that being said, you know, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to go around the National League East. Uh, we've talked, obviously, a lot of Nationals this offseason, you know, no COVID issues, no lockout. There's plenty to talk about and discuss this offseason. What about the other teams? There were four other teams in the division. I know that the schedule change this year means the Nationals aren't going to be playing these rivals as much which in some cases is a good thing, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the four teams had some success against the Nats last year. Um, but you know, this was one of the most active divisions in baseball this offseason. So we're going to go through the four other teams, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, and Marlins, and see what they've done this offseason, how they're preparing for the year, and what could be one of the toughest divisions in the league. <laughs> Before we get to that, some housekeeping notes. Um, over the weekend, the Nationals did add another minor, another pitcher on a minor league deal, right-hander Chad Cool, formerly of the Rockies, uh, adding depth to the starting rotation. He likely probably won't break the camp, uh, break camp with the team unless he has an insane spring training. Um, but just another depth piece that we've talked about plenty already the past couple of weeks that the Nationals are likely to sign leading up and even after uh, camp starts. Uh, to spring training. Yeah, he spent last year with the Rockies, struggled a little bit when 6-11 and 11 with a 572 ERA in his 27 starts. But again, it gives them a little bit of rotation depth heading into spring training, another veteran. So he'll spend time around a really young rotation outside of Williams. So, I mean, even just to that exposure to more veteran arms, it, it is good for this young rotation. So probably not likely to make the rotation out of camp, but again, uh, gives them a little starting pitching depth. Spent five seasons uh, with the Pirates before last year with the Rockies. He's got a career 4.74 ERA, which, of course, would have been pretty high among the national starters last year. So um, we'll see how he breaks the camp. He is kind of a local guy. He grew up in Delaware, went to Udell. as a blue hen, a fighting blue hen. <laughs> uh, some of my friends would be um, excited to hear that. Um, he's, he's only 30. So, yes, he brings some experience, but he's not, not – that old. old. We're going to talk about some <laughs> older pitchers later on in this episode. But yeah, uh, he actually pitched a shutout last year, too. So, you know, he could, he still has that capability of being an efficient starter. It's just a matter of the Nationals, can they find room for him? Um, right. I, I, I doubt it starting out of camp, but we've talked plenty that, you know, you usually need, you break camp with five rotation starters, you're usually going to need around 10 to finish a season in various ways or another. So, you know, maybe if he doesn't make the team outright, maybe he accepts, you know, 
that minor league deal to go start at Rochester and provide that depth for the Nationals because they do need it with Mackenzie Gore and uh, Kate Cavalli basically being promoted to the major league roster to start the season. Right. You don't know what you're getting out of those young arms. You're relying on everybody to stay healthy for the duration of a 162 game season, highly unlikely. So they need some starting depth or else you're looking at the Paulo Espinos and, and got Corey Abbott's guys like that, that, you know, would have to fill in those roles. And I don't think that's what you want at this point in time, if you can avoid that. So he'll be among the group of pitchers and catchers reporting to West Palm beach in a week's time. Other news that came down across the, uh, the, the, the news wire the last couple of days, the Nationals agreed to terms with Victor Robles, avoiding an arbitration hearing for a contract for this season. And that also, interestingly enough, includes a option, a club option for the 2024 season. Um, they settled at reported $2.325 million for Robles this year. He had been seeking $2.6 million. The Nationals offered $2.3 million, so a slight bump. It's almost the exact same process they went through last year. They were kind of they were closer in the you know uh, the numbers that they offered at the beginning this year than they were last year, but Robles ends up with just a small bump of what the team ended up offering. Yeah, just slightly over that two point three that they were originally offering in arbitration. Same thing last year, just got a little bit of a bump up in salary than what he was originally asking. It doesn't end up having to go to the panel, which is a good thing. You always right. kind of want to avoid that, um, but you know you also don't want to ask for too much when you hit two twenty four. Um, with just six home runs, a, a career worse OPS. Uh, so you never want to be in, in talks about money when you when you're struggling at the plate. But Victor Robles does get that, and it the the club option for next year is kind of interesting in this case. But if they do choose to pick up that club option, then he'll avoid the arbitration process next year before he becomes a free agent in 2025. Right. I, the way I understand this, and it has been complicated, it is a little complicated because you don't really see this when with arbitration eligible players. You usually see teams buying out their arbitration years. Mm -hmm. You don't see options added for an arbitration year. So, you know, if the Nationals, like you said, if they pick it up at the end of the season, that means Robles had a good season. That means they're willing to go through another full campaign with him as their starting center fielder, probably. Uh, his defense elevated last year, gold glove finalist, 12 defensive runs saved. Uh, we, we talked about the numbers. Yeah, you're right. If the op if the career-worst OPS can get up, his offense can get up, yeah, they'll pick up this option. That means they have a probably a, an agreed-upon salary for next year if they pick it up, and you're, they don't have to go through this again. Yeah, so he'd be set to make $3.3 million, which is a million more than he's making mm -hmm. this year. So, you know, that would, in that case you know, hopefully help him. He'd yeah. make a lot more money than he is this year or would potentially make an arbitration. If they decline, that does not mean robust. It is complicated because you usually hear an option, an option being declined. That means that player's a free agent. Not right. the case here because he's still under team control. That just means they would then either not tender him, which would be my guess if they sued, if they decide to sue, they decide to decline this option. My guess is that they would plan then to non tender him. Or, or, I mean, I don't know. I'm, or you go through the arbitration process again and you get them cheaper than you do at that already set $3.3 million. At that point, well, I mean, that's just... <laughs> you're over, yeah, you're, yeah, you're mean, talking what about... What was the raise from last year to this year? He got um, 1.65 last year for 2022. Now he's getting 2.3, so not even a full million dollar raise from this. So, I get, yeah, I guess so. But my, my the way I'm going to view it is if it, they decline they're it, they're going to probably non-tender him. Um, and if they accept it, that means they don't have to go through this again. I don't know how this benefits Victor necessarily uh, because say he goes out and has an all-star year, uh, unlikely, but if he does, 
then you're kind of limiting yourself to what you're going to make next year. You know, you could get more than that. Um, I guess this really helps the Nationals because they kind of have all the power here as it is a club option. And, you know, they'll just determine what to do with Victor Robles' fate at the end of the season. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be his last year of arbitration. So what happens, we'll see. But I agree with you. It's probably going to be more of a, a non-tender situation if they don't pick up that club option. Right. So that's done with. They don't have to go to any hearings. All set for spring training to start. So what is spring training is going to look like? What is the 2023 National League East going to look like? Again, this is going to be different because, you know, you're used to playing these four division rivals 19 times a year, and the Nationals were not very successful in that uh, endeavor last year. Um, but now with the change schedule where you're playing everybody in all of Major League Baseball at least once, um, sometimes twice, um, a lot more interleague play, less play within the division. So, you know, maybe your record within the division doesn't matter as much going into this year or, or this year. But, you know, I always say you play these guys the most. You're still going to play the Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Braves the most out of any other team. That's your path to winning a division. I mean, you got to win within the division. The Nationals did not do that last year, of course. You know, finishing last, finishing with the worst record, finishing with the worst record in club history. Let's take a look at how the National League East finished out last year. Of course, the Braves and Mets tied for the division lead at the end of the season, but the Braves won that on a tiebreaker. They won the season series 10-9. to There were some exciting games at the end of the last season between those two clubs. Um, the Braves win the division. The Mets get a wild card spot. The Phillies get a wild card spot. Remember, the Nationals helped them get into the playoffs with that last weekend series of the season at Nationals Park. The Marlins miss out on the playoffs once again, and, of course, the Nationals finish 55-107. and the Braves lost in the National League Division Series um, to the Phillies, three to one. The Mets lost in the Wild Card Series, two to one, to the Padres, and the Phillies went all the way to the World Series for the first time since 2009, but lost to the Astros in six games. Um, Want to run this down team by team? Yeah, we can go team by team. Um, we're gonna go kind of recap a little more specifically what happened last year. We're gonna look at obviously their big players returning some of their key additions, some of their key subtractions from this offseason. Um, and then I want to pose one big question for each team as they enter the 2023 season. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right, start with the Braves, the division winner. Um, I always say, and I think I even went back on this, but I usually say, Amy, don't... The team uh, that yeah. won the division. Yes, you can't count them out the until favorite. someone <laughs> knocks them out. Um, 101 and 61. Beat, won that tiebreaker against the Mets. Fifth straight National League East Division title. Again, lost to the Phillies in the NLDS. Against the Nationals, they went 14-5. and Brian Snicker returns for his eighth season. He actually signed a three-year extension through 2025 uh, last month. Key additions this year, Sean Murphy in a four-player trade with the Athletics as part of a three- uh, in exchange for four players with the Athletics, excuse me, as part of a three-team trade that included the Brewers back in December, and they also signed right-hander Nick Anderson to a one-year deal. Looking at the returning players, a lot of young guys, and we know the Braves have been really good at locking up their young superstars for long-term deal. Look at all those guys under the age of 30. High wars, 6.5 for Austin Riley, 5.9 for Max Fried last year. Michael Harris, the second was a rookie standout, 5.3 war at only 22 years of age. Um, the Braves are the Braves continue to be at the major league level, at least. Right. On this list, you have the NL Rookie of the Year. You have um, a, a young pitcher in Spencer Strato that finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. You have a lot of young talent returning. And the Braves were kind of 
one of the more quiet teams in this division this offseason. Their big splash was that three-team trade and getting Sean Murphy. Three or four-team trade. Three teams. They sent four players to the to athletics get, for to, Murphy. And getting yeah. Sean Murphy back, which was kind of interesting because of the, the catching depth that, that they already had in Darno, They had Contreras. Kind of interesting uh, that they were willing to you know, trade him away. I guess it was kind of like a high sell mm-hmm. time um, after last season. Uh, so that was a little bit interesting, but you are getting one of the best catchers in baseball back, a 3.5 uh, baseball reference war last year, and you get him for a long time. Slugged 426 with 18 home runs and 66 RBIs with Oakland last year. Uh, so that was their real big addition um, this offseason. But you're adding him to a long list of young, talented players. Only 28 years old, a former third-round pick by the A's. He finished fourth in AL Rookie of the Year voting back in 2020. He won a gold glove back in 2021 and received some MVP MVP votes last year uh, with the Athletics. You mentioned the catching depth. Well, they then traded away part of that catching depth and William Contreras to the Brewers as part of that Murphy trade. Um, That was one of the big pieces they ended up giving up. They decided to upgrade there to bring in Murphy. Um... Anderson is another addition. I mean, that name's familiar. Uh, he's 32 years old. He was drafted by the Brewers, but did not sign back in 2012. He then signed with the Twins as a free agent in 2015, then traded to the Marlins in 2018, and then traded to the Rays the following year and signed with the Braves right at the start of free agency. Um, he has a career, uh, career 289 ERA and a whip under 1,000 um, and 93 career uh, relief appearances, so they add to their bullpen as well. Um, and then you look at their key losses. Kenley Jensen signs a two-year deal with the Red Sox. Dansby Swanson, of course, a big part of their World Series run from a couple of years ago. Shortstop signs a seven-year, $177 million deal with the Cubs. Adam Duvall goes to the Red Sox. Um, Darren O'Day retired. So they did have some major losses, but they did upgrade and and making a, that big trade back in December for Murphy. Right. You're not worried, you know, so much about, I don't think, losing Adam Duvall or Kenley Jensen as much as you're worried about losing Danzy Bansby Swanson mm-hmm. just because of, you know, the kind of lack in their middle infield. Ozzy Albies tends to get hurt. He's been hurt, you know, a lot in the last three seasons, really. Um, and it's going to be kind of an open competition, I think, going into spring training uh, for that shortstop spot. So I think that's where you're a little bit more worried, more worried if you're the Braves in their middle infield depth, the other losses I don't think are as big of a deal. We haven't even mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr. Talking about injuries, he yep. suffered a lot of injuries over the past couple of years too. Can he return to that MVP caliber player um, in right field that he has been in the past um, and really lead this team offensively, one of the best leadoff men in all of baseball when he is healthy and playing? Big question here for the Braves. Can they hold off the Mets and the Phillies to win their sixth straight division title? Like I said at the top of the conversation, you you know you have no. They're the champions until someone knocks them off. Yeah. We thought the Mets were going to be able to do it last year, and the Braves come storming back. I don't know if you would call it a collapse on the Mets' part. The Braves just caught fire right. for like the last two thirds of the season, um, and on on route to winning their, their uh, another division champion. Do you think? Did they make because we're going to talk about those other two teams in a minute and they made a lot of moves this offseason. Do you think the Braves are still good enough to hold on to that top? Yeah, I mean, you look at the big splashes that the Phillies made it in free agency this offseason. The Mets do what the Mets do every offseason. But I don't think that you can. It's fair to say that either of those teams can knock off the Braves until you see how those players do you know, with their new team. I think the Braves have to be the favorite going into the season to win this division again, especially with the young returning talent that they have. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. all of the guys on that list locked up for the yeah. long term. And now, 
at what cost, though? Interestingly enough, the Braves have one of the worst, if not the worst farm system in baseball right now, but they have one of the best major league teams, and of course, at the big league level because of all the trades they've made, all the, the long-term deals they've been able to make with Acuna, uh, Austin Riley. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It, you know, they they're do- set for a time frame over the next, what, 10-ish years? Yeah, yeah is it 10 years? Five. Five-ish maybe. years? How well, how yeah, the it, long, long term, how, how well are they set up, you know? Yeah, that's and that's what it's going to come down to. But those, you you if you're, when you're the Braves, you feel a lot better that you have, you know, these guys just recently made their debuts. Mm-hmm. You know, Spencer Strider, uh, all Michael Harris, these guys are yeah. young. So you're, you're hoping, you know, over, you could say 10 years, you know, they're going to hopefully be with this organization. It's not like you're not going to get any other talent back in trades because you know that they're not, True. you know, afraid to do that. Um it's yeah, just how long that can last and how they're able to rebuild their farm system. And it's probably tough for Nationals fans to see because they've done what Nationals fans wanted the Nats to do since winning their World Series in 2019. Resign a lot of their yep. young guys to long-term deals. Talking about guys that have left Rendon, uh, Trey Turner, now Juan Soto, obviously the three big ones in that sense. So the Braves are are good at that. Now none of those guys are. Uh, Scott Boris guys like the Nationals had in the past, so it's a little diff- different for for the Braves. But gotta give them credit; they've been able to do it, and now they're set up to win. Their their championship window is open for at least the next. And five they years, didn't get if not more. Sean Murphy for nothing. They gave away a lot of young talent. So yeah. you know, does that concern you, or not so much because it's more of a continue to win now mentality? Yeah, they're winning now. They are able to win now, so they're the top dog still. It sounds like from both of our standpoints, um, they're. They're the best until someone beats them, which could be the Mets. We thought it was going to be the Mets last year. They finished with the exact same record, but again, lost the tiebreaker uh, to the Braves to finish second in the division. They won the first wild card by uh, a lot, but then <laughs> huge disappointment. They lost to the Padres in the wild card series 2-1. to one. It was the Mets' uh, only their second playoff appearance since losing the World Series in 2015, and they haven't won a playoff series in that time. Um, they lost a wild card game when it was just a single game a couple of years ago. Against the Nationals, though, they were good. They were 14-5 and five as well. Manager Buck Showalter is back for his second season. You're looking at some of the returning players and um, offseason acquisitions. Of course, the top guy, your reigning unanimous AL Cy Young Jeez. Award winner, Justin Verlander, who signed for two years, $86 million, with a 2025 vesting option of $35 million. Uh, that matches Max Scherzer's record for $43.3 million average annual value. And they, are once again, are reunited uh, to lead a dominant rotation and expected to carry this team to the promised land. Yeah, you look at their returning players, they didn't really add anything on to, to their lineup. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much all pitching acquisitions led by Justin Verlander, who was once again the best pitcher in baseball, 175 ERA this last season, winning the AL Cy Young, an 829 whip. That's a huge addition. And it's crazy that they they lost to Grom, they lost Tywin Walker, they lost Chris Bassett. And with these acquisitions of getting Justin Verlander, Senga, Quintana, they're going to save money. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, Senga, Kodai Senga, Five years, $75 million out of Japan. Um, he figures to be f- fighting for a spot in the middle to the back end of that rotation. One of the best pitchers in the J- Japanese league over the past couple of years. Um, they added reliever David Robinson to a one-year deal. Uh, you mentioned Quintana. Uh, two years, $226 million. So, you know, we talked about this when Steve Cohen bought the team. Yep. The Mets are going to be a force every offseason. <laughs> 
from from here on out just because he is not afraid to spend money. He was not afraid to spend big on Lindor when they traded for him and signed an extension. They were not afraid to spend money money on Max Scherzer last offseason and now Justin Verlander again. Even for older pitchers on short-term deals with high annual value, always a risk, but Steve Cohen's willing to take that risk if it means bringing the World Series back to Queens. Right, and it's not just their rotation it's those relievers as well they're gonna have they're projected to have the best bullpen in baseball we know they have one of the best closers in baseball Mm -hmm. and edwin diaz um if you look adam adovino david robertson some of those names um and we said it you know we're for a second there was potential for carlos correa to go to the mets and we were like wow buck you're gonna have to win now uh with this lineup and with this rotation and i think that's still true even without Mm -hmm. carlos correa because you looked at that list of names uh pete alonzo second 40 home run season francisco lindor um a lot of talent there but they're probably gonna have to win now (laughs) with all of that yeah they're 12 year 12 years 350 million dollar deal for carlos correa fell through uh, after some issues with his medicals, of course, that happened to him right before with the Giants, and he ended up re-signing with the Twins, so they missed that on him. But, yeah, they also re-signed Brandon Nimmo for eight years, $162 million. You mentioned Diaz, the best closer in baseball, with an insane 50% strikeout rate. He struck out half of the batters he that he faced that last year. Unbelievable. Five years, $102 million deal with a $20 million 2028 team option. Just cash everywhere from Steve Cohen. Um, so that brings me you oh that brings me to the big question: Will the big spending finally pay off with the championship? Well, we're gonna see it within the next year or two. Uh, I think we're gonna have to because I don't think they're set up to win over as long of a period as the Braves are or the Phillies. Right. Well, so you got two years from now, starting this year with Verlander. Of course, Max Scherzer is entering the second year of his deal. There's an option for. 2024 so assuming that gets picked up you'll Mm -hmm. have Verlander and Scherzer for two more years and you're sitting here thinking okay Verlander is going to be 40 Max is 38 you know how much longer can these guys pitch Verlander was just the unanimous AL Cy Young award winner after basically missing two seasons due to injuries and he just bounced back in between he was hurt for in in between two Cy Young awards and just bounced back and helped them win a World Series just insane so there's like Aside from an injury, which of course happens, and we've seen it here in D.C., Max suffer injuries, but they are going to be the, probably the two best top two pitchers in any rotation this year. Oh, absolutely. And it's not like the the Mets rotation last year was anything to laugh at. True. Uh, you know, with Scherzer, DeGrom, Tywin Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, if they can win within the next year or, year or two. I think it's – yeah, I think it's funny that I think Carlos Carrasco is – the, I think the youngest pitcher in the rotation at the age of 30. Well, no, I guess Kanga now is. Yeah. Senga, sorry. Um, at 35 years old. But still, like, so they're they're banking on their veterans um, to, to lead. The, and, yeah, you mentioned Buck. Now's the time. You know, you do lose Jacob DeGrom, who signed five years, $185 million with the Rangers, and you wonder, you know, he, it's got to be his injury history. Steve Cohen wasn't willing. He would rather go out and get Verlander for a short per- period of time than – trust DeGrom over a longer period, I guess. And I think it would be concerning if you're the Mets and they put all their money into the rotation, kind of like the Nationals did, mm-hmm. and you're relying on some of these veteran guys. There's You saw with Max Scherzer, they're going to get hurt. You know, yeah. it's it's going to happen. Um, but you feel better when you look at their lineup and you yeah. realize that they didn't. They're not putting everything into the rotation. They have 
quite the lineup too. Yeah, you still got Lindor. You've got Pete Alonso, of course. Um, Nimmo returning in the outfield, um, and then they also brought in Omar Navarez, Navarez um, on a one-year deal to to be their starting backstop after losing James McCann, who signed with the Orioles. Michael Givens also signed with the Orioles out of their rotation, so it's another loss for them. Um, but another, like we said, another offseason, another year of high expectations for the Mets. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with. Can they beat the Braves, you know, make the playoffs, win the division, and then see if you can go win a World Series? Because you're right. They they are built unlike any other, te- uh, well, very few other teams. Is this a super team? Would you call it? I think so. Super yeah. team. But their window is way smaller than the Braves. Yeah, absolutely. You got two years. I think you got two years at best of really good stuff from Verlander and Scherzer. Maybe they pull Tom Brady-esque and, you know, pitch for the next five <laughs> or years or whatever. But the Braves are set up to be good for way longer than the Mets. The Mets' time is now. Yeah, and if you look at the lineup, I mean, pretty much you know what you're going to get out of them. Hopefully, if every, everybody stays healthy, these are, you know, true, tested, you know, major leaguers. You know what you're getting out of them. It's just going to come down. Well, you said they didn't put everything into the rotation, but I think it is going to come down to how well that rotation can perform and can these veteran Max Scherz or Justin Verlander stay healthy. Yeah, that's going to be key. Can they stay healthy and can they pitch enough innings to also be because we've seen Max have even Justin Verlander a little bit, uh, not so much hey, last year he struggled in the postseason, but they both have great regular seasons. But then it seems like they're almost worn yeah. down come yep. October. Can they stay healthy and effective enough to help pitch them into the NLCS, the World Series? We'll see. Um, the another uh, super team I want to call them is, the, of course, the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, you know, this was a team that maybe was kind of borderline expected to make the postseason last year. Um, you know, they had the reigning MVP in Bryce Harper. They signed Kyle Schwarber. There are still a lot of questions about maybe their pitching staff, specifically the bullpen. They go 87-75, and 75, finished third in the division, 14 games behind the Braves and Mets, um, and finished third in the National League wild card, only two games behind the Padres. Um, ironically, they clinched in Houston. Uh, to get into the postseason, looking at some of their additions in regular season or uh, guys coming back. Of course, JT Romuto, Aaron Nola had really good years last year, leading um, the team in war uh, six or above for each of them. Trey Turner becomes the fourth hmm. former national to join the Philadelphia Phillies, including Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, and also Josh Harrison on this roster. Um, and I'm also looking at this lineup, well, lineup, but the roster, Amy, all in their 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, Real Mutz was 32, Craig Krimble, who they added to the bullpen, 35, but Nola, Turner, Hoskins, Harper, Walker, Schwarber, all in their 30s, also set up to probably win over the next handful of seasons, not just going all in on one year. Yeah, their their window's longer than the Mets, but not, you know, crazy long. The addition of Trey Turner, I think, helps out, but you still look at it, and he's 30 years old. Um, I think it's fair to say that the Phillies have had the best offseason out of any of these. Of course, with the big splash of Trey Turner, 11 years, 300 million. Of course, you know what he did last year, 298, 809 OPS, uh, career high, 100 RBIs. Uh, You know what you're getting with Trey Turner. So that was a huge splash, one of the the short stops that was on the free agent market this offseason. But they also added to their bullpen, which was significantly better. They've bullpen had struggled over the past handful of seasons. The third highest bullpen ERA in 2019 to 2020. 
21. Um, the highest bullpen ERA in 2020, the highest since the 1950 athletics. Wow. So the bullpen was not their strong suit for quite a few years, but they had a really dominant bullpen last year in Jose Alvarado, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. They kind of dominated. And then they added three relievers this offseason to kind of add to that bullpen, um, added to their rotation. So I think it's fair to say they have a lot of talent coming back in Reese Hoskins, JT Romuto is coming off the best season of his career, but they've added a lot of talent in free agency, free agency in this offseason. Yeah, it might be adding Reese Hoskins to that list of Nationals killers. He, I feel like, <laughs> always hit home runs against the Nationals last year, along with Bryce Harper, when he was healthy. Um, they won the wild card series over the Cardinals, it's 2 nothing. They won the NLDS over the Braves and upset 3-1. to one. They won the NLCS over the Padres. Another technically upset, four to one, and then lost the World Series four to two to the Astros. It was their first playoff appearance since 2011, and first World Series appearance since 20 uh, 2009. Uh, they went 16 and three against the Nationals. The Nationals <laughs> only pulled off three wins against the Phillies last year, and I feel like last year for whatever reason the schedule was like they didn't play the Phillies until like June, and then it was like every other weekend it they were playing. So the, often, yeah, yes. and and it just like just getting pounded and pounded right right into the ground. I was like. It was Here brutal. It was go. brutal. Uh, manager Rob Thompson returns for his official f- second, I guess, first official season as the full head uh, manager, but his second season at the helm. Um, he had his interim tag removed in October and was also awarded a two-year contract after going 65 and 46, and of course leading the team. Well, he actually got his contract before they made the, the World Series, but uh, while taking over for Joe Girardi, who was fired in June, um, some of their losses. Uh, Noah Syndergaard signed a one-year deal with the the Dodgers. Kyle Gibson, a one-year deal with the Orioles. David Robinson, we already talked about. Uh, you mentioned the handful. Brad Hand, former national. He's still mm-hmm. a free agent. Gene Segura, a couple of uh, four years with the uh, Phillies. He signed uh, with the Marlins recently. Um, so they've, they lost some guys. Zach Eflin, too. I'm talking about these pitchers specifically in Syndergaard, Gibson, Eflin, um, even Robertson and, and, and Hand in the bullpen, you know, those were guys that I feel like they were willing to purge from their roster to try to improve and bring in other guys that you mentioned to improve. Because the one weak spot, it wasn't their lineup for a long time because you had Real Muta, you had, of course, mm-hmm. Harper. Um, uh, you know, you had for a couple of years, like, I'm, a cut, I'm going back a couple of years now, but yeah. for the past four or five years, it wasn't the lineup's issue. It was the pitching that couldn't carry the Phillies. They finally got over that hump into the postseason, made the World Series, and now they're thinking, all right, with the addition of Trey Turner for 11 years and $300 million, you know, if we bring in some legit pitchers, we can actually win this thing. Um, and I agree. I don't think their window – they're, like, right in between the uh, the Mets and the Braves. Like, their window is definitely longer with the long-term contracts to Harper, Trey, yeah. um, I, even Schwarber got like four or five years. I'm in Real Muto. That's their core. That's going to carry you for the for the long term. But it's not as long as the Braves, especially with all the money. I mean, unless like they said they were going to spend stupid money, um, but they're still set up to win right now. And and can they take that next step? Maybe knock off the Braves or, right. or Mets and win the division um, instead of being a wild card. Right. Exactly. We mentioned they got. I guess they're top five bullpen arms back, really, but they added three, which was headlined by Craig Kimbrell. 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 I don't know why that was going to be a tongue twister. Uh, He signed a one-year deal, $10 million contract, Matt Strom, Gregory Soto, a two-time All-Star. So three, you know, bigger arms that they're going to add to that bullpen that made significant strides last offseason, and then they added Taiwan Walker into this rotation. Mm -hmm. So I guess my big question for them – 
kind of already said it, but are they finally good enough to compete with the big boys? You know, was last year a fluke? I don't think so because we talked about how good their lineup is. I think they can score. Can they keep other teams from scoring? The additions are great, but can they actually produce and can they compete with the Mets, um, the Braves, outside of the division, the Dodgers, the Cardinals? Um, it's going to be interesting to see if, if this spending and if this all these additions actually turns out to a good run of success for the Phillies instead of just a one and done. Yeah, and I think it's similar to the Mets situation is you know kind of what this lineup is going to do. You feel good with JT Romuto. You feel good with Reese Hoskins. You feel good with Kyle Schwarber being one of your bigger power bats until Bryce Harper comes back. It similarly comes down to what their rotation specifically is able to do. And you do have Aaron Nola. You have Zach Wheeler. You have a lot of talent now, Taiwan Walker, in this rotation. Um, it's whether the bullpen, bullpen can replicate what they did last year, and it's it's going to kind of rely on the pitching, whether they're able to knock off other teams. My secondary question for them is, can they stay healthy enough to make another run? Because um, Bryce Harper is going to be limited to being strictly a DH all year. Not that he was like fantastic in right field, but you know he has a great arm. Right. So you'll take that playing right field. Um, Kyle Schwarber, we know, has an injury history. Trey Turner... Hasn't had an injury history recently, but here in D.C., we know that he has missed significant time with some nagging injuries, right. um, especially so much that he relies on all that speed that he has, both in the field and not to play it on the base paths. So can this and, – and the Phillies themselves have just had issues with injuries yeah, in the past. Yep. Can they stay healthy enough to also make this run? I mean, every team needs health, right? Like, you know, some teams run into bad luck. Some teams get lucky and just have mm -hmm. really good health throughout the course of the season. It's often not, you know – who gets hurt, but when they get hurt, right? You True. Know? So can the Phillies also maintain their health and get their superstars to play? Trey Turner played 160 games last year. I doubt he would play that many again this year, but can he play 140, 145 plus? Can Bryce Harper or DH right. almost every single day? Stuff like that. I mean, that's going to be a tough task um, for them and Rob Thompson to to kind of manage throughout this season and try to stay competitive with these other big, quote-unquote, super teams. Yeah, same as the Mets, same as... Um the Braves, the talent is there. Just yep. can you stay healthy and, and and continue the upward success like the Mets have? That brings us to the Miami Marlins, <laughs> uh, the fourth team. Uh -uh. But the na they, they did better <laughs> than the Nationals. The Nationals. Uh, 69 and 93, fourth in division. They were 32 games back in the NL East, 18 games back of the wild card. If you take out the expanded 2020 playoffs in which they actually swept the Cubs in the wild card series and then were swept by the Braves in the NLDS, the Marlins haven't made the postseason since winning the World Series in 2003 and in, even including that 2020 year they had 12 straight seasons of finishing under 500 and they finished under 515 out of the last 18 years not so much if they played the nets every single time they would be oh, world series yes. champions every single year because they went 15 and 4 last year we figured that the nets would struggle of course against the other three teams but maybe they could find some success against miami and that was not the case miami beat the snot out of the Nationals. <laughs> they didn't get those four wins are misleading because those didn't come until late in the season. At one point, I think the Nationals had lost like nine or ten straight to the Marlins last year. Just could yeah, it was not the beat last them. series they were 
They finally actually won the series, I think. Yeah. But they just could not beat them. Uh, they got a new manager and Skip Shoemaker, his first season after Don Mattingly and the team mutually agreed to part ways. He is now a Blue Jays bench coach. Uh, Shoemaker played 10 years between the Cardinals, Dodgers, and Reds. He won a World Series with St. Louis in 2011. Um, he was a first base coach and associate manager with the Padres and bench coach with the Cardinals last year. We talk about the Marlins. Of course, the name that stands out is going to be uh, – Sandy Alcantara, mm -hmm. who was the unanimous winner of the Cy Young in the National League last year, also a second-time All-Star and finished 10th in MVP voting. He has established himself as one of the best starting pitchers, not just in this division or the National League, but all of baseball. An eight-war per baseball reference last year, and he's only 27 years old. Yeah, Sandy Alcantara, the first player in Marlins history to win the Cy Young after an incredible season, 228 Point in two thirds innings and six complete games, um, and and he threw at least seven innings in twenty two of those thirty two starts. So he was durable. He was great. Um, and the first time they've seen you've seen a Marlins pitcher dominate like that. You mentioned those six complete games. Yeah, two of them came against the Nationals, <laughs> and the one shutout came against it's the Nationals. Nationals yep. <laughs> and the other uh, complete game, he only allowed one run. Um, so yeah, he pitches well. He uh, has. Disgusting stuff. He is one of the best pitchers in baseball. But you look at the rest of this roster, not much else to go off of. Um, like I said, which is weird, but and maybe more so frustrating than the worst records against the other teams for the Nationals because on paper, outside of him, this roster isn't that great. I mean, the Nationals obviously is, is, is worse, especially mm -hmm. after losing Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Um, but... I, I guess my question for for Miami is, what are we doing here? What yeah. is there light at the end of the tunnel? They the Nationals have been rebuilding for two years now, a year and a half, maybe let's call it. I feel like the Miami Marlins have been rebuilding for a decade. Yeah, I don't think that they've done enough this off season to you know bolster a lineup that produced the third lowest runs in all of baseball. Sure. Um, I don't think you know adding Gene Segura. For for it is enough. Um, Phillies declined his option, like we talked about earlier. They get him on a two year deal. Uh, he is a contact hitter, so that'll be good. <laughs> Hopefully, help them score some more runs. But I don't think that they've done enough to this lineup in the offseason to you know offset that. Their major addition was infielder uh, Luis Arise yes. in a trade with the Twins. They sent right hander Pablo Lopez and two minor league hitting prospects back to Minnesota. Um, Arise will be 20, uh, 26 this year, age 26 season. He's under team control through 2025. Um, he's was an AL batting champion, a first-time All-Star and Silver Slugger last year, finished 13th in American League MVP voting. Um, slash lines, and I talk about contact hitter, he is the contact hitter. You know, 316 average of 795 OPS, 31 doubles, 8 homers, 49 RBIs, and 144 games played. Um, while basically playing all over the infield. Um, he has a career hit average of 314, so contact hitter, has hit above 303 out of his four major league seasons, um, and the one year he didn't, he hit 294 in two th uh, 2021. So that was their big offseason acquisition. That and Segura, I guess the main headline this offseason for the Marlins is that bumps Jazz Chisholm Jr. to center field, which apparently he's okay yeah. with, um, and that they're going to try that out, you know, it's different because I think he's a little older and also supposed to be the main guy, the core of this team. But 
It reminds me of when the Nats acquired Trey Turner and started him in center field because of how much athleticism he has. Um, that's going to be an interesting experiment. It, it could work. It could also be a disaster. Yeah, you're happy with getting the AL batting champ. You're happy with getting uh, the hardest hitter to strike out in all of baseball. He averaged 12.7 at-bats per strikeout. Uh, you're happy what you're getting offensively there, of course, with the rise. But defensively, you're definitely taking a downgrade by bumping Jazz to the outfield. He was primarily their second baseman. Could Came up as a shortstop. Could place shortstop but yep. primarily second base segura has been mostly a second baseman throughout his career arise can be a, a second he's played all over the place really um it'll be interesting to see where he ends up starting for them um their one key loss this year was this offseason for the marlins was trading miguel rojas to the dodgers ironically enough he was traded from the dodgers almost 10 years ago at this point. So he returns to LA after spending six years in Miami. Um, but yeah, so the, the question for them is, is, is what's the game plan here? I mean, talk about the nationals. Yes, they're in a rebuild and it's you know tough to go through right now for fans, but I would say at least you're not a fan of the Marlins because they've been rebuilding for seems like 10 years. Right. And you're kind of optimistic for Not a little more. bit. They had young talent. You, you felt like they were finally on the rise and they've kind of just flatlined. The good news for them is they didn't lose any huge talent it's true. this off season. Um, they added a little bit with the rise being, being the headliner, Gene Segura. Okay. Probably not enough to be competitive in this division and when you're looking at these other teams. No, I certainly not. I mean, it's just more of, you know, I guess, can you finish above 500? Or start, can you beat there. the Nationals like you were able to last season? Well, they're going <laughs> to count on it. If they're going to be a 500, they're going to need to be yep. up on the Nationals because, I, yeah, I don't see how this roster competes with the other three major teams in this in this division, guys or teams that are like legitimately looking at winning a World Series, whereas the Marlins are probably at best – Finishing above 500 right? or at 500. I mean, that's just going to be a tough, tough call for them. And I would say, you know, Nationals fans who are complaining about this rebuild, I mean, it's also the take the Marlins as a warning, right? Like very similar. They went through an ownership change. That did not work out well for right. the Marlins. That set them back even further. Right. The Nationals fans should be very, very concerned and, and, and you know, I, I understand why Nationals fans get frustrated when there's not information coming about this change and there's no new news. There's no sign of it ending. And now we're seeing reports that the learners are probably going to remain the owners this year. Cause you look at a team like the Marlins who went through it was promised all these things that they're going to start competing, developing and competing at the major league level. And it just not coming to fruition and, and, and explode yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they made quite a few moves where you were just like, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, maybe that'll be the case with the nationals. Hopefully not, but this the in between of you know we're going through a rebuild and then getting to the point where you have to spend money you're not really doing that you know yeah hopefully the nationals won't end up in that similar situation yeah, definitely a fair warning hopefully the nationals can also compete better against the marlins this year just for comparison's sake let's kind of run down through the nationals of course we've gone through this a bunch over the past couple of months but just to recap they finished 55 and 107 last year, fifth in the division, 46 games back, 32 games back out of the wild card. Um, it was their third straight losing season since winning the World Series in 2019. Worst finish in club history, that's 2005 to the present, and second worst finish in franchise history, including all the time in Montreal as the Expos against the division. Total, who wants to do the quick math? 17 and 59. 
224 winning percentage within the division. Of course, not that many games we played this year, but still not great. Davey Martinez enters the sixth, his sixth season as the Nationals manager. Big question marks there. Is this a lame duck year for him and general manager Mike Rizzo? With the ownership question up in the air, still hard to tell. Um, their major re-signings, Sean Doolittle to a minor league deal, Erasmo Ramirez to a major league deal. They added Trevor Williams, Jamie Candelario, Dominic Smith, Corey Dickerson, Stone Garrett, Jeter Downs, Thad Ward from the Rule 5 draft, and their losses from last year, of course. Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz, Luke Voigt, Joe Ross, Cesar Hernandez, um, and the question mark is, what's the deal with the ownership situation? And can any of these young players slash prospects make significant strides this year? Yeah, definitely the most, I won't say lackluster offseason, maybe out of all of these teams, really Trevor Williams or maybe Dominic Smith being kind of the highlight of the big signings um, of the offseason. But if you're Nationals fans, you kind of knew what to expect. You knew what you were getting into. And, you know, that's just how it is. They didn't, this off season, they haven't lost any significant talent. That's true. And looking at this list, though, uh, of returning players and their additions at, listed by war, the highest one, Victor Robles, 1.8. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they, any of the other three teams had anyone that low to start or at, even at the bottom of their list that I made. And when you look at who it is, that's, that's even that's more concerning. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Kaber Ruiz, Lane Thomas, and Erasmo Ramirez round out the top four players who are returning in terms of war. And then Trevor Williams, Kendallara, Dickerson, and, and uh, Smith in that order. Uh, Dickerson had zero. Didn't add really much to anything. And Dominic Smith was negative 0.4 war per baseball reference last year. So, again, we know what the season's going to be. We know what the plan is. So, the aside from the ownership, the question is, can young guys actually make – not just strides, significant strides. Because right. we talked about the significance of this year in terms of this rebuild. There, I, I think this year, second full season, be two and a half years by the time the season's done. You got a draft coming up. You got an international signing period just happened. You have another trade deadline. Not as many key pieces like a Scherzer, Turner, Soto, or Bell. But can the Cavallis, the Gores, the Abrams, the Ruizes, the Grays? Can those guys, and even guys at the top levels of the minor leagues, or, or, or their prospect rankings, can they make significant strides to show that, okay, this team is closer to winning again than we may have thought? Yeah, they're at a completely different spot. It's a completely different conversation with this national roster than it is any other team in the division. And I still really think that this schedule change will significantly help the Nationals. I know yeah. they still play these teams more than any others, but if you look at this talent, you look at what they did in the offseason, it's hard to not be happy that they're not playing them at the same rate they have <laughs> yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to be playing a lot of other teams in similar positions, and it'll be interesting to see how they match up against some of those teams. You look at the last place finishes, um, Pittsburgh, Colorado, Oakland, Kansas City, yep. Boston, even – Boston, though, won almost 80 games. They were pretty close to um, 500. You know, they're going to play all those teams this year. So how do they match up against some of the other teams in the cellar of the league? Yep. will be interesting and, and, and show how much growth they've actually made in, in one year's time. I know it's tough, especially when you got guys like Gore, who didn't pitch in a Nationals uniform last year. Cavalli made one start. C.J. Abrams only showed flashes near the end of the season. But that's a small time frame to improve dramatically. But, you know, you do want to see 
It, it can't just be like a small improvement. It has to be significant. Oh, for sure. But Especially it, from those guys. Is It has to be those guys. And, you know, to see what their additions, I mean, most of their off-season additions are just to fill holes. Fill holes. But, you know, or be trade pieces. Yeah, but hopefully they can do their job and sure. step up and be able to be a trade piece. Um, will be interesting to see whether those, you know, off-season acquisitions were worth it. Do you, or not. Do you want to try to predict how this division will finish at the end of the 2023 yeah. season? I'm going to do... I don't know why. I'm so, I just think if you're a Phillies fan, it's hard to not get so excited about what you did last year <laughs> yeah. and what you did this offseason. I think the Phillies are going to win the division. Dang. Then... Braves, Mets... <laughs> Marlins Nationals. I think all three teams make the playoffs again. Yes. Um, especially with the way that the schedule is set up. They're not going to be beating up the way playoffs, on yeah. each other. You know, they're going to be able to play some of these other terrible teams. And how the playoffs look now, you know, that's sure. possible. Well, you know, where they expanded. Yeah. I mean, they just did it last year, yep. right? So, But, like, the schedule is going to be easier for them to do so right. this year. They've all added. They've all improved some way. Um, no one took a step back in my mind, really. No. Um, so, you know. They're there until someone knocks them off, right? I don't know anyone else in the National League who made significant strides this year to can really contend. Cubs got Swanson. Um, I don't know if the Brewers got really that much better. I don't know how much they're going to compete near the end of the season. Of course, San Diego is still going to be really yeah. good. Can San Francisco bounce back? I don't know. I see these three teams making the playoffs again. In what order? I'm kind of with you. <laughs> that I, I think on paper, I think Philadelphia could end up being the best team. I, I think. Verlander and Scherzer can have really good years. I would. I'm still hesitant to like crown them. Like, oh yeah, they're gonna dominate. Exactly. Like, I'm. I'm. I don't know why Lindor has also had an injury history too. Uh, even though he played a handful, uh, like 140 plus games last year. I think on paper it's, they're the next best team. Yeah, but just crazy because I mean. This division's so good. Yeah. Ah. I mean, is this the best division in baseball? I think so. Better than the I AL mean, the, East? The AL East and the NL Also East. with three teams in the playoffs yeah. last year. Who? Yeah. And I don't see, especially in the American League, I don't know who really improved. I mean, the, the twins, twins get Correa back. Cleveland won the division, though, but only by with 92 games. They're young, Are, you know. Is they, Seattle legit? Can the Angels actually make something of that talented Oh, roster? the AL East is definitely the best division yeah. in the AL. They're close. The AL East is probably stronger, but... What's, who's better, the American League or the National League? Just overall. The American League. You think the American League overall yeah. is better? So, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Twins, Indians. Yeah, Cleveland. Astro, Astros, Mariners. And are you Houston. You're counting... The Angels? What about the, the Rangers? It's got DeGrom. True. The Rangers had a bizarre offseason. I don't think anybody yeah. kind of saw what the Rangers were going to do this offseason. I think the AL is better. Okay. But the NL East is I don't know. I'll just, I'll just strong. Yeah, the NL East is strong. I, I, I think... I think they're clear... Well, here's the thing, though. They're clearly top-heavy. Well, right? So, like... Yeah, those but might then be you the look th at the Dodgers and the Padres and... No, but I'm saying, like, look at... Okay, you. Oh, yes, you have Atlanta, the Mets, and the Phillies, top heavy. I would take those three over the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Rays. But then you look at the rest of the ALEs. The Orioles are looking to compete for the postseason this yep. year. The Red Sox have been able to do short rebuilds in a short amount of time. 
Um, and then the, 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 and then you look at the bottom of the national league East, the nationals are going to be the worst team in baseball. Probably have the worst record again. Um, Pittsburgh. I, I mean, you can't count on Miami winning more yeah. than 70 games. I mean, until they actually do it. Right. So it's again, they haven't had 12 straight seasons with right. uh, finishing 500, you know? So I, I think they're top heavy AL and at least top three better than any top three mm-hmm. in, in baseball. But overall, I think the American league East is better. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. More because yeah, the bottom Miami and Washington the, throw the whole bring division them down off. So much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Boston and Baltimore elevate right. the AL. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you, you say I'm Philly's going, gonna win. I'm going Phillies, Braves, Mets, Miami, Washington. And those top three make the playoffs again? Yes. So I'm gonna do the opposite of what I did last year, because I think last year I predicted the Mets to actually knock off the Braves. Okay. But Braves have won five straight. And I'm gonna stick to my guns and no one's better than them until someone actually does it. So I'm gonna go Braves again. I'm gonna go. They're gonna finish the exact same. Ah, no, I'm gonna go Braves, Phillies, Mets, Mets and Phillies meet in a great okay. wild card series. Okay, they I like go, it. There's only three games. Best of three, right? Yes. The, those go three games mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. That's gonna be insane. You're gonna have Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander pitching against Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber. That's gonna be sick. Yeah. So that's my prediction. I say Atlanta. But the Dodgers still win the National League. San Diego gets back in. I don't know who wins the Central. Probably the Cardinals again. But, yeah, those top three. And then Miami. I, the Nationals. That's going to be so hard to predict. <laughs> so our, 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 our producer, Brandon Morrison, does not think the Nationals will in any way improve in the in the standings. I don't think they'll improve in the standings. I don't think they'll improve in the standings. But, like, in terms of win-loss record, did they win more than 55? I... <laughs> I, I don't. I still think they lose a hundred games. Yeah, though they're gonna lose a hundred. But games. I don't know if they'll go. It's if you look at it right now, it's very unlikely. I think because they had Juan Soto and Josh Bell for half of the season last year. Okay. So I think That's that true. made not that they were winning a lot of games, but they lost a lot more in the second half of the season. Well, to play devil's advocate, they actually played better in the second half of the season. Remember, all the offensive numbers were actually better. It's the pitching staff is the biggest question, right? So can that pitching staff? I mean, we we didn't mention Patrick Corbin once in this in this podcast, but like he's still there. Um, and I, I think I really think the schedule is going to benefit the Nationals this year because they're oh, not is. playing yeah, of course, yeah. Atlanta, New York, Philly nineteen times. I you're agree. playing them. Was it ten? Ten each yeah. instead. That's that's twenty seven less games that you're likely going to get crushed in. Yeah, I and I can't I mean, imagine they lose. 15 games again like, to the Marlins. That, that, that has to be a That was an right. I, I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to win more games than they did. Playing Oakland, Kansas City, Detroit. The schedule Boston will help them. Again. But if you look at, you know, just their talent. Yeah, what I they think have, they're the what least they talented lost, team. They're, it's, I don't see how it, they could. It's going to be tough. It's going to be so tough to, to get, even get back to 55. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I have them finishing last again. Um, but that's not the point of this year, right? The point is the development of everybody else. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. Um, fun conversation. Yeah. And of course, next week, we'll dive even more into the Nationals and have a more of a preview of the 2023 season as that'll be their uh, first official workout day in West Palm Beach. Mark Zuckerman, of course, will be down there. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and on MassInSports.com and the Masson app. For all your coverage from West Palm Beach, 
Big thanks to um, Brendan Mortensen for producing this show behind the scenes. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Mass Nationals across the board, be sure to follow along. We're just a week away from spring training. We'll have all the baseball content you will need from spring training over the next week, month, month and a half leading up to opening day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Next week, it'll be baseball season.